Hey everyone, it's Tony. Thanks for listening to Probably Should Have Known Better. Uh, so Nadia Vasquez, and, and you remember her, she's the host uh, who has a more pleasant voice and generally has been uh, like better prepared uh, for each episode that we've recorded so far. She's also in another podcast that just started that I want to encourage you to check out. Uh, it's called Red Rhino. You can find it in the same place you find this podcast, uh, but it is an audio drama about a high school boy who gets superpowers uh, that are really lame. Uh, so it's an audio drama, so they have a full cast of voice actors, including Nadia. Uh, the show is written by Megan Fitzmartin. I'm listening to it. I really like it. Check it out. It's really well done. Uh, it's called Red Rhino, and Nadia is in it. If you want to help out their show or our show, uh, go on Apple or iTunes uh, and leave a review. That really helps us, helps out the shows you like in finding new listeners. Uh, so thanks again, and let's talk about Amanda Bynes. Ladies, today we're going to go over the guidelines for a graceful, ladylike entree into society. Make sure she's in the back for the group photo. Viola was facing a fate worse than death. Ta-da! Sorry, Mom, I have a strict no ruffles policy. Until her twin brother, Sebastian. Where are you going? London, for a couple of weeks. What are you going to do about school? I was kind of hoping you could help me with that. Showed her a way out. Could you just, like, pretend to be me? You want me to turn you into your brother? Nobody in Elyria has even met Sebastian. They wouldn't know the difference. Now, she's headed to Elyria Academy. Let's go kick cow! Where the men have game and the women have attitude. Awesome. Hey there, pretty lady. Ew, girls with butts like mine do not talk to boys with faces like yours. <laughs> the thing I was going to say about the mic was... Oh. My, oh, it's okay. My, my parents... <laughs> got it for me for my birthday which is really such a millennial thing to say yeah and very thoughtful and i love uh, that and i'm i said thank you so much this is really sweet and very thoughtful and it's really gonna improve the um the audio quality of the podcast and my dad was like yeah but can you do anything about the content uh so (laughs) sorry mr chinocchio just a devastating own from my dad that was so this is where you get it from yeah, exactly. No, I'm turned, like, I have turned into him. Exactly. <laughs> so, so that was a little jarring. Unbelievable. That, that yeah. you got owned by your dad hardcore, and I don't know how you recover from that besides just leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Did you leave right after that? I, I, no. Uh, that wouldn't that have been great if I didn't say a word? I just got up and left You're their just house. like, nah, like, game recognize game, I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to PSKB. I feel like we've recorded enough episodes that I can abbreviate no, that No, I hate that. <laughs> uh, it's probably should have known There better. you go. Uh, I'm Tony Ginocchio. Uh, I am joined, as always, by uh, just just an amazing woman, <gasps> uh, an incredible uh, co-host. You've heard of, you've heard of Plain Bay. Uh, she is Pod Bay. Uh, it is... Nadia Vasquez. That's me. I'm Plod Bay. That sounds so fun. Uh, how are you doing, Nadia? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I'm really excited to talk about this movie. I have uh, sentimental 
feelings about this movie. And we both thought we were going to go into this one um, on opposite sides of the argument. Yeah, uh, I, I almost fought you via text message the other day uh, talking about and this. I'm going to come out and say it. This movie exceeded my expectations. Yay! I'm so glad. I knew, you know what? I just got to say, I know that it's a goofy movie. And I mean, it's Amanda Bynes. Her comedy is pretty goofy, but it's not a terrible movie. It's one of my favorite movies from when I was a teenager. Well, and that's how I first heard about the movie is my, uh, so, uh, by the way, folks, our selection today, She's the Man from 2006, directed by Andy Fickman. Uh, starring Amanda Bynes and Channing Tatum. Uh, Nadia, uh, can you give me a quick rundown of the plot? Yeah, so uh, this is loosely based off of Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. I think loosely uh, is a good one. <laughs> yeah, very loosely. Um, so Amanda Bynes, uh, I forget her character's name, Viola, duh, Shakespeare, hello. Uh, so Viola, played by Amanda Bynes, is... Uh, a soccer player, a very good soccer player, but her team gets cut from her high school's uh, sports, I don't know, selection. <laughs> I don't know how to say things with sports. Well, they don't, yeah, basically they don't have enough players on the te- on the girls' soccer team, so they cut the girls' soccer team entirely. Right, and school. so she's really bummed out, and her first move is to try to get on the boys' soccer team, but the coach and her gross boyfriend, I guess ex-boyfriend, are like, girls can't play as well as guys, blah, blah, blah. And so she's like, fuck you. Her brother goes to London, her twin brother goes, goes to London to play a, a festival for his band. And she uses that opportunity uh, for him at his new school to play soccer at his new school, which is Illyria, which is, of course, taken from Shakespeare. Uh, and a lot of hilarity ensues. She dresses like a boy, gets a full-on makeover from her gay best friend, because of course. And <laughs> in her attempts to get onto the first string of the soccer team, she meets Channing Tatum and a bunch of other characters that make everything ten times harder, which we'll talk about. And in the end, we get a happy ending, as with all Shakespeare comedies, except there's no wedding, because that's traditional in a Shakespeare it's- comedy yeah it's not a wedding it's a it's a deb ball instead exactly and everyone wears white which i guess is appropriate yeah um i appreciated that there was a debutante's ball at the end so that they could really pay homage to the big celebration at the end of shakespeare because i'm a shakespeare nerd and it makes me feel good (laughs) yeah i had first heard about this movie um from my sister so this movie came out in 2006 which is a year after I graduated from high school. Not to brag, but I graduated from high school. Oh, good job. And, uh, what year, by the way? And my, and, uh, I graduated in 05. Oh, um, okay. So you're a year older than me. Yeah, I, we don't need to tell the audience that. Okay. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the, uh, but my sister was still in high school when this movie came out, and she saw it, and she's like, this is the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> Uh, and my sister also uh, played soccer in high school, too. That oh, was, uh, okay. I mean, I didn't play soccer, and I loved it, and I thought it was the greatest movie ever made, but this was before The Lonely Islands pop star came out. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, so my sister's like, to me and to my parents, you guys have to see this. It's amazing. <laughs> Uh, so we rented it on DVD, and the three of us are all like, what the fuck is this? 
Um, <laughs> You're such snobs, <laughs> all of you. We, we, uh, we just really were like, this is the dumbest thing, and I can't believe you thought we would like this. <laughs> and then I rewatched it two days ago for this episode, and while it is still dumb, um, it is not. Uh, appallingly horrible. It is not, I would say, super problematic, although there are one or two scenes that I have some questions about. Sure. Uh, and uh, I would say, you know, for a teen Shakespeare adaptation, of which there are many, <sighs> Ten Things I Hate About You, uh, Oh, um, two examples is probably enough, <laughs> uh, of which there are many, I think it gets the job done. Yeah. And the other thing is... This is a high school movie that came out right around the time I was in high school, which means I recognized every single music cue. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the same thing, too. I was just like, oh, this is just so timely. Yeah, I mean, I know you might be asking, Tony and Nadia was one of the music cues from All-American Rejects, to which I would respond, no, two of them. Were. Yeah, Dirty Little Secret being the one of the most climactic used. Yes, and then end credits, they bring back Move Along. Oh, I didn't even stay through the end credits. I turned it off and I took a nap. <laughs> this this is the only movie I've left the end credits on because I liked that song. Oh, that's so sweet. I'll make sure to tell Tyson Ritter. wonder what he's up to. Yeah, and uh, Tyson, if you know, feel free to tweet at us. That's at Prollyshoulda, P-R-O-L-L-Y-S-H-O-U-L-D-A. Uh, oh, we look forward to hearing from you. Um, the other thing is, um, this is a movie that was, I think, uh, you know, not a flop. It was a modest success, but it is now. And when I say now, I mean, literally there's an article we're going to read from like two weeks ago and another article from like two years ago. So in recent years, this is being revisited and kind of taking a bigger place in the teen movie canon because people are saying this film was ahead of its time when it came to talking about gender. Yes, I totally agree. Okay, well, I I just want to tell you now before we get into the actual synopsis of the movie, for people who haven't seen it, there is no moment where a cisgendered supposedly straight man excuse me in the movie says anything overtly homophobic or transphobic that's very true which i appreciate very very much and many of the reviews that i saw for this film are talking about how it is a pro lgbtq film and i'm like was it and i guess for 2006 the absence of homophobia transphobia was actually a pretty big step yeah i didn't even think about that i i mean when i was watching it i watched it a lot as it came out my senior year and my best friend caitlin and i saw it in the movie theater i think twice and then got the dvd which i still have and we just thought it was really funny, and we're, we had just gone to Camp Anytown, which is a uh, sensitivity tr- like retreat, basically. And ta- okay. it, t- it teaches about racism, sexism, uh, homophobia, just all kinds of things. And it's, it's a kind of in-depth kind of uh, 
like learn learning to learning to work intersectionally. Yes, it was way it was way ahead of its time, and we felt like a lot of the content that we were getting at the time didn't fit into these new things that we were learning, and we're just like, mm, this kind of sucks that we can't enjoy anything anymore. Not in a you know like we can't enjoy anything anymore, but more of like <laughs> we can't enjoy it because we shouldn't enjoy when someone is being treated like a shit. So yeah. when this movie came out, we're like, oh my gosh, this is the first time that we, first of all, laugh at something that's supposedly taboo, but it was just done very tastefully. And you get to see Channing Tatum dance and do flips and stuff. Yes. So it was... Doing some windmill kicks. It was a winner of a movie for us. And so when when I saw it on the list that you put it on there, I was just like, Tony has already prejudged this, so I really want to see it so I can prove him wrong. No, I've come around, Nadia. I am willing to say this movie is not terrible. Yay! Uh, and uh, commercially speaking, also, uh, not terrible is probably the best way to describe <laughs> it. Uh, this, uh, this was not a huge smash necessarily. It opened at number four in the country. Its total gross was $57 million, but it only cost $20 million to make. Hey. So, uh, it, I mean, by that standard, uh, it was a success. It wow. made back triple its budget. Um, and as I said, it is, it is now being revisited and I think looked on more favorably than it was when it came out. Yeah. Um, and Anything we should know about the year 2006, Nadia? Of course. I have some... I mean, 2006 was my senior year of high school. I had already decided what college I was going to go to. I'm telling you about my former current events. Uh, Of course. (laughs) uh, The Black Parade had come out that year. Oh, hell yes. Which was my favorite My Chemical Romance uh, album. I'll tell you emo news first. Uh, 2006 was when uh, the Black Parade was performed by MCR on the MTV Video Music Awards, and it totally catapulted them into superstardom, and it was impossible to get tickets under $50 for their concerts. Uh, (laughs) uh, Also, Louder Now by Taking Back Sunday was released, which was one of my favorite albums that I would listen to. I would take the long way home to and from school Uh so I could listen to the whole thing. Uh, It was also when emo and pop punk kind of uh, trickled into the mainstream at uh, mixers and dances at my school, and you would hear "Hello Goodbyes," "Zombies," "Aliens," "Vampires," "Dinosaurs," uh, hit single. Uh, what was that one called? Here in your arms. Here in your arms. Everyone at my high school knew that the jocks, the nerds, the emo kids, which was just me. <laughs> I remember hearing the anthem by Good Charlotte at multiple high school dances. I wish I had gone to school anywhere else but the Bay Area because, you know, <laughs> people in the Bay Area just didn't appreciate emo. It was it was very hip hop dominated. And you know what? Don't get me wrong. I love a good hip hop anthem. But, you know, I had to move to L.A. to get it with the cool emo kids and go to emo night. I remember the year before this movie came out, 2005, my English teacher asking us all, her daughter wanted to go to a The Used concert. Oh, that's hardcore. <laughs> and and she was like, is The Used okay? <laughs> Burt McCracken throws up at every show, so no. <laughs> I don't know whether it's on purpose or it just he just screamed so, well, one time I saw them at Warp Tour, The Used, and he climbed up on the giant speakers that were towering above the crowd and he jumped in and he got really hurt 
Oh, God. And, yeah, I mean, I hope she went. Because it's a wild experience. Yeah, yeah, 2006 was big. Like, MySpace was big. We weren't allowed to have Facebook mm-hmm. at the time unless we had an EDU uh, email. But I think September of that year was when it expanded a little bit wider scope yes. as to users. Um, the top songs at the time were Irreplaceable by Beyonce, Sexy Back by Justin Timberlake, produced by Timbaland, and Promiscuous by Nelly Furtado, who was also produced by Timbaland. Nelly Furtado was so friggin' good. Uh, Overplayed, but I, great. Yeah, and I between uh, Promiscuous and Maneater, I loved Maneater. Oh, yeah. Um, she, j- I, like, she could do no wrong in my <laughs> eyes in 2006. Could you say that she was like a bird? I would say she's like a bird. She only flies away. <laughs> um, it's so it's so nuts to think that's the same artist. I know Anyways. it's wild. Uh, well, besides the music news, obviously I was really into music at the time. I wanted to be a journalist so I could write for Rolling Stone. And <laughs> look at me now. Uh, <laughs> as uh, this is the Rolling Stone of podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ways. Totally, totally. I had to, you know. Anyway, <laughs> uh, as far as movies went. For our movie cinephiles, we had Borat released that year. Uh, We had Pirates of the Caribbean's Dead Man's Chest. The only time Mm -hmm. people in America pronounce Caribbean Caribbean because otherwise people call it Caribbean. Uh, (laughs) Night at the Museum was also released, which was the first time we saw Rami Malek on the big screen. That's right. Yep. And I forgot about yeah, him. and Cars was released, which was the first Cars. The first Cars, which is arguably okay. the best Cars. Uh, this was also is, is that is that arguable? Are there people saying two or three is better than one? I'm definitely arguing it. <laughs> the second one is terrible, and the second yeah, one mean, is ten times worse. Even though it's no, I'm saying Christella, like who I love. Is there anyone out there that le- that wouldn't pick Cars one as the best Cars? I don't know. There's some six-year-old kid that, like, really, <laughs> really liked the third one because there's mud in it. Uh, anyway, so a- a- enemy of the podcast Mel Gibson was arrested for a DUI and went on a oh, racist God. tirade that year. This was also a sad year. We lost Steve Irwin and Dick Cheney accidentally shot his friend in the face. <laughs> <laughs> in that order. <laughs> You're right. That's very sad. <laughs> It was also the year where most Britney fans were super stoked because she finally broke up with Kevin Federline because he's a fucking loser. <laughs> uh, Google bought YouTube that year, which was uh, uh, the best move they could have made. And last but not least in TV news, this was, again, during the reality TV phenomenon and American Idol and Dancing with the Stars were the two most popular, most highly rated shows on TV. So, you know, Amanda Bynes had a lot to compete with. There was a lot of good pop culture going on at this time, and she confidently came out with She's the Man, and I'm happy for her. Yes. Uh, So just building off of what you said about music earlier, um, in She's the Man, in an early scene when she's in Sebastian's bedroom, there are two posters not one but two posters for oar on sebastian's wall that is a the jam band that sang i feel home and they're also featured on the soundtrack of this film uh and then when uh she goes to illyrium uh channing tatum has up two not one but two posters uh for some 41 yeah Uh, fat lip the journey from (laughs) i 
I had fat lip on in the shower like a week ago, and I still remember every word. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. The uh, the journey from liking jam bands to liking pop punk is the, is my journey in high school. Uh, it's also the only two genders. So the, it was it was a very interesting experience watching this film. Um the music alone made this um, kind of a weird sort of nostalgia trip. Yeah, definitely. Uh, also, the hairstyles for me. The hairstyles and the fashion, I thought it was very 2006. The low-cut pants, the low-cut skirts, the crop tops, the bras showing under the low-cut shirts. Yeah. It w- Ch- Channing Tatum's pants are, like, basically halfway down his thighs. I am not for complaining. I this is, a, <laughs> this is a pro-naked Channing Tatum podcast. <laughs> no, he's great. He's great in most things he's in, but he's very good in this, I think. I used to think in high school that he was a very bad actor, but very nice to look at. And looking back on it, he's not a great actor, but he's an incredible comedic actor. I I think, yeah, exactly. I think his comedic timing is awesome. I think, um, you know, I think people, once 21 Jump Street came out, like, people figured that out. Right. Um, But he was showing it here. Oh, definitely. There were really good moments, uh, especially at the gym, uh, he, but his physicality with his comedy is my favorite part. I think he has, yes. a, obviously he has a very skilled command of his body. <laughs> As we all know, before he was a movie star, he was a stripper and made a movie about his stripping days loosely based on the uh, reality. Actually, he, he, made, he made two movies about his stripping Oh, days. I forgot about XXL. I didn't see that one. The first one I saw with a bunch of stay-at-home moms on, like, a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> a lot of them had their kids with them sleeping. And I was just like, I, more power to you girls. And we were all screaming. Me from the back, them from the front. <laughs> and uh, so Channing Tatum gets to show off his incredible athletic body and ability in this movie as a, as a soccer player. And I, now looking back at it as a... 30 year old woman i'm just like hello no wonder i liked this movie as a teenager <laughs> it's good he's great anyway i could this is i could just talk about chaney tatum for two hours well that's probably what we're about to do should we get into the plot of the yes film? yes let's let's um my favorite opening credit is uh where it just says inspired by the play 12th night by william shakespeare <laughs> Uh, just, just with the implied, maybe you've heard of him. Right. Oh, also, you know, just so that it justifies some sort of teacher who grew up in this time period playing this during, Showing during this in English, English class. class yes. So she can check her Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I, but, but the scene opens with, uh, just like a beach party soccer game. We establish that Amanda Bynes is a great soccer player and her friends love playing soccer and just dancing intermittently during the soccer game. Uh Uh, And she's got a boyfriend who's like, you're almost as good a soccer player as a guy or whatever. Yeah, he's a little shithead. I I also kind of want to find out what kind of training she had to do for this because she doesn't really look like a great soccer player in general when it's not the (laughs) stunt person. Like... (laughs) Like, the, the soccer scenes didn't convince you of anything? No, uh, at, there are times where she's playing soccer with her hair down, which I'm sure is a way for them to hide the stunt person's face while they play soccer. And it's very obviously a dude playing as her stunt person. Yeah. Uh, but 
when it, it cuts to her and you know that it's her playing, it's a, a the level of confidence is just so different. <laughs> Um, we we uh we cut pretty quickly to cornwall academy uh which is uh where amanda Bynes character viola goes to school um it's her senior year she's planning to go play soccer at college next year and she just finds out that the girls soccer team has been axed because not enough people have signed up which is a huge problem because she wants to play in college she's got to have scouts see her play exactly and recruit her Mm -hmm. Um, it's a pickle her yeah, her first course is asking the men's soccer coach if the girls can at least try out for the men's team. Uh, and the response, which I assume is lifted directly from Shakespeare's <laughs> original text, <laughs> is just kind of the classic, uh, girls can't beat boys, it's science. Yes, it, girls aren't as fast as boys or as strong or as athletic, it's scientific fact. I wrote down that quote because that is from Act 1, Scene 2. <laughs> Twelfth Night. uh and and uh the men's soccer team is like hey what's going on here amanda Bynes turns to her boyfriend she's like hey can you back me up here you said i was a good soccer player yesterday and he immediately fucking came yeah he gaslights her and he's like i never said that yeah exactly so he's an abusive fuck (laughs) he's like i've actually never seen you play soccer Uh, so she dumps him on the soccer field right away like whips a soccer ball at his loved it i was all about it and then yeah. she just heads home. Uh, she's dressed, I guess, athletically for the time. And her... She's wearing a hoodie and jeans. Yeah, yeah and her uh, brother's girlfriend is like, Sebastian! Because that is her brother's name in the movie and in the play. Fun fact. She's like, Sebastian, yeah. Sebastian, oh my god. You guys look strangely similar from the back. Which is huge foreshadowing. Which is also <laughs> from Act 1, Scene 3 of Twelfth Night. <laughs> And she's looking for Sebastian, who's hiding from this ex. Who? Or, or, yes. Well, who is this girl? What's her so name? So this is Monique. Monique. Uh, I don't know if thought is the word I should be using, <laughs> but, uh, but she is a thought. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> and I never so, thought so, I'd hear you say that in my life. And, nicely done. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Sebastian... Um, is dating her, but uh, basically they're on uh, the relationship's on their last legs, and Sebastian's kind of a coward, so he's hiding from her, so he doesn't have to break up with yeah. her directly. Um, so Viola is like, "Well, I don't know where the hell he is." She goes in inside. We've already established she looks kind of like a guy from the back, I guess, <laughs> um, and uh, and also that she's kind of a tomboy because she, you know, she plays soccer, she's athletic, and her mom is trying to get her to be in a debutante ball, and Viola just is not having that shit. No, it's so archaic and lame, but... She doesn't want to wear a frilly dress. It's, yeah, it's outdated. Go ahead. No, no, it's fine. But Her mom's like, well, I mean, well, you have your boyfriend. You know, he's hot. Don't waste it. Have him be your date. And she's like, no, mom, we broke up. I broke up with him. And her mom definitely wants to fuck her boyfriend. Her, her mom gets so fucking horned up uh, <laughs> with that. Just like, oh, we, we broke up. And she's like, why would you break up? He's so handsome and rugged and chiseled and great. And Amanda Bynes, Bynes just yells, then why don't you date a mom and walks away? And the mom, like, spends a second considering it because she's a pedophile. <laughs> yeah. Her mom is probably the most problematic character in the movie. 
Um, I would say so. I th- maybe maybe David Cross. Uh, oh, who yeah. is in this? Yeah, he is, and he plays <laughs> Tobias Funke as a headmaster. It's like, well, dude, what are you doing? He does. We'll get- he jumps on furniture in the same way. It's all crazy. <laughs> we'll we'll get to him in a minute. Um, yeah. So so she gets upstairs to her brother's room, and he's packing up for London, and he's like, "Hey, man, if you want to chase your dreams, you got to break the rules." And don't tell them that I am gone. I'm going to tell mom that I'm at dad's house. I'm going to tell dad that I'm at mom's house and I'll see you later. And she's just like, okay, I guess. (laughs) Just goes along with it. Which is so, like, I don't know. that Already there's just too much of a plot hole for me. Yeah, and and the plot holes will uh, start multiplying exponentially in a minute. Um, but the Sebastian, the brother, he, <clears throat> he sneaks out the window so he can fly off to London. Uh, and, uh, the mom walks in and she's like, where the hell's Sebastian? And, uh, you know, Viola's like, uh, I don't know. He's not here. And she's like, you know, sometimes I think you just might as well be your brother. Foreshadowing. Uh, I do appreciate that the message of the movie appears to be debutante balls are lame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all in a consensus. That debutantes yeah. are lame. But basically, Viola puts together, okay, hey, wait a second, I can play soccer if I dress like a man, impersonate my brother, and go to the school, the all-boys boarding school. It's not all-boys, but it's like, it's a boarding school and they have separate all-guys and all-girls dorms. Right. And try out for the men's soccer team as a guy. Right. And uh, unlike the Shakespeare play... Uh, Viola doesn't get caught up in a shipwreck and she doesn't start working for Duke Orsino. She instead is Duke Orsino's roommate, which we find after we have our first montage. (laughs) Yes. So uh, she goes to her stylist friend who is gay. Uh, She's like, I need you to turn me into my brother. Joan Jett starts playing. For some reason, a large part of the makeover montage is trying on mustaches yeah, uh, long, and- black, long mustaches, because <laughs> Sebastian definitely has one. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what you have to do to be a man, is have a large mustache. Large, bushy mustache. Yeah. Um, and then she's following guys around and impersonating, like, trying to impersonate the way they walk, right? Trying to get the um, kind of male strut going. And there's one really awful scene uh, where she's behind a black gentleman in a do-rag <laughs> and, like, trying to do some... I don't even know how to describe it, but I was not... She okay tried to have that. some swag, and it didn't work. It did not work. Yeah. Um, well, this is where I feel like they wanted to showcase Amanda Bynes' uh, physical comedy Physical skills. comedy. <laughs> that, you know, she, she can take on many characters, as we've seen in Nickelodeon's All That, and so they thought, well, let's put your skills to use, my friend. And have you just copy a bunch of dudes on the street? Uh, it, it, the montage ran, ran a little too long, but it, yeah. <laughs> but it was pretty good. And in the end, we see her dressed as a twink <laughs> with, with a wig and her uh, baggy khaki pants. And yes. oh, and we also see Ace Bandages, which is our first introduction into. Uh, I guess, tools that are used to uh, specify a specific gender. 
Yeah. Yeah, but just so everybody knows, ace bandages are actually really dangerous for you. <laughs> and uh, there are a lot of internet forums that and information that you can find online. But if you are looking to make sure that your breasts aren't noticeable, please don't use an ace bandage. They're very, very yeah. bad for you. <laughs> yeah, there is a scene where, like, she's basically four of her friends are helping her bind her chest and uh, i don't know if we needed four friends there for that no, necessarily no one of them being uh the only female cast member from silicon valley oh okay yeah good for her she got work um, 10 years later she got, got work 10 years good later job. um to this movie's credit it is only 12 minutes before we have the reveal of uh fake sebastian right the twink <laughs> um, let's talk about her voice for a Oh second. my god! It's different in every scene. <laughs> and it does not bother me at all. <laughs> um, the way I think I can describe it best is if you think about Dave Chappelle doing a stand-up bit where he does a white person's voice, <laughs> but if immediately before doing that bit he, like, took a bunch of Benadryl by accident... <laughs> I think that's probably closest to what Amanda Bynes sounds like when she is impersonating a guy. Yeah, it's bad, but it's so funny. Uh, it is. It is funny just in how bad her accent is, and I, I, I would assume that is intentional on the part of the film. Right, right, because it's comical. Yes, and uh, do you remember the words that her gay uh, stylist friend uses to send her off? No. Oh, he says, you can do this. Inside every girl, there's a boy. Okay. <laughs> I guess that's true for some people. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Junior Senior starts playing. We're averaging one music cue every three minutes. <laughs> She finds her room, tries to psych herself. By the way, we're going to see this, but her plan uh, falls apart, like, almost falls apart four different times in the first 20 minutes of the film. Right. Like, there are so many things she should have foreseen that she didn't. But she finds her dorm room, and who is her roommate? It's shirtless Channing Tatum. Yeah. Also, the the part where she walks from the car to the dorm yes is uh hilarious because she is just in a state of panic and people are staring at her but she thinks it's trapped in a marching band yeah she she thinks that they're they know that she's a girl but i just think it's because it's a new person and they're in a state of panic swirling around the quad and that she's like they know it's me they know it's me it's like no dude you're just you look suspicious, <laughs> but okay. Um, so she meets shirtless Channing Tatum. Uh, they, you know, there's two other friends uh, who don't really have names. Um, the black friend is not given a name until the final scene in the film. <gasps> really? Uh, I, I'm pretty sure. Wow. He's um, one of only a few people of color in the movie, Yeah. by the way. I'm keeping track for this podcast. <laughs> uh they don't think that she is a woman right like she at first glance fools them they think that she's a freshman they think she's young yeah. right yes um and and uh her excuse is she skipped a couple grades she's brilliant right uh, <laughs> i'm brilliant and 
Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, and then uh, immediately she drops her box of tampons. Right, that she hid in her boot. But she's okay. It's okay. She totally covers for it. She's like, yeah, they help with my nosebleeds. And you just... Beckham does it all the time. Yeah. And they're like, wow, that's disgusting. Which is our first... <laughs> uh, our first discovery that men think girls are gross <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, it will not be the last. Yeah. Anyways, uh, soccer tryouts are later that day. The coach is some sort of bizarre Australian, uh, like, uh, Martinette, uh, and is like, okay, we're going to do a scrimmage, uh, shirts and skins, which, again... Seems like something that fake Sebastian should have foreseen. Yeah, but also, why do you need to be shirts and skins to do drills? Isn't shirts and skins just for a scrimmage? Look at me, look at my sports words. I know sports words. Scrimmage. (laughs) Drills. Um, Stretch. um, (laughs) (laughs) But whatever. Uh it's fine. Again, Amanda Bynes is ready to cover for it. She's like, I have to be a shirt. I'm deathly allergic to the sun. <laughs> um, we have another music cue. I think it's Skindred, but I'm not sure. Yeah, and then we see the first time Channing Tatum doesn't have his shirt on. That was a Shakespeare well, this, uh, music cue. <laughs> the, the second time, because we saw him in the dorm room Oh, as well. I forgot. Sorry, I uh, was clearly just thirsty when I wrote my notes. <laughs> um anyways uh viola gets uh put on the second string pretty quickly like she's not gonna see she's gonna be riding the bench uh for the big rivalry game coming up in a week against cornwall and her ex-boyfriend and her ex-boyfriend um and then the coach is like hit the showers so now third time that her plan has almost completely falls apart and this is where i feel like logic could have come into play and she could have you know clandestinely taken her wig off and gone to the girl's bathroom to shower but yet there's a girl's bathroom in this building yeah but okay (laughs) so they she sees a bunch of dudes getting naked and it's gross to her and then she actually gets called into the headmaster's office instead. Thank yeah. goodness. Saved. Yes. Saved. Saved saved at the last second. The headmaster is David Cross, who clearly, like, needed a paycheck. <laughs> hey, you I said is... that this movie was good. It it is it is good. I mean, David Cross also was in Alvin and the Chipmunks Chipwreck. Like <laughs> I, I get it. He needs to get paid. It's not like Bob Odenkirk where you can just be in like the most critically acclaimed drama of all time. Right. Uh, you have to like, you got to take the paychecks where you can find them. David Cross uh, is just like being like, Hey, you know, I just want you to know, I'm going to be like a big brother. I'm going to pop in occasionally to check in. I want to make sure you're taken care of. <laughs> right. Right. And uh, let's see here. So after that is when I think they go back to the dorm room and we are requesting. Oh, what? Actually, before that happens, um, she, on her way out of the principal's office, she bumps into someone. <gasps> a meet cute. A meet cute. Uh, a uh, blonde girl named Olivia. Yes. Uh, who, again, she, like, Amanda Bynes almost completely blows it, forgets guy voice, and gets, uh, is like, ooh, anthropology sells shoes now? <laughs> yeah, she's like, your outfit is so cute. It is so great. So Olivia in the play, Twelfth Night, is a uh, 
wealthy countess that the that Duke Orsino, who is actually a duke, uh, falls right falls in love with, and Viola helps him woo her. But in the play, Olivia ends up falling in love with Viola, and lo and behold, in this adaptation, we are having the same problem. But the stakes are so much higher because it's about soccer. <laughs> And let me tell you, uh, Viola likes a lot of things about Sebastian. This is uh, Amanda Bynes dresses her brother, Sebastian, not the real Sebastian. And one is that he is that she. What are the pronouns we should use? I um I used she throughout. Um, okay. But I I I don't. That's all. That's a very good question. We can remain consistent and say she and say that okay. we've had this discussion. <laughs> yeah. uh, so she is uh, very sensitive and is very different from other guys at Illyria. Yes. And therefore very attractive, which maybe we could say that Olivia as a character is bisexual, or at least pan. Uh, definitely pan. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, we learn a little bit more about Olivia's backstory um, at a scene in the cafeteria. We learn that uh, she's on the rebound. Mm. Um, she just got dumped. Uh, she is, uh, one of the more, I think, um, desired girls in the school. I was going to say hot. <laughs> yeah. She's a hot then, girl. Well, what, I, what I'm saying, yeah, she's a hot girl. Channing Tatum wants to fuck her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is where this is going. But Channing Tatum's bad a... at girls. And so. Yes. He's too scared to talk to her. Right. But her confidence and self-esteem are way down, which quote, in a man's words, it's time to pounce. Exactly. And there is actually another man who we meet in the same scene uh, named Malcolm, who's just some sort of preppy asshole uh, <laughs> make, that is trying to make a move on Olivia. Olivia is not having it. Right. And I believe he's loosely based off of Malvolio, who in this movie is a spider. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, Tarantula. All right. And, yeah. So, okay. So that's a lot of characters to throw at you. But basically you have Viola, who is impersonating Sebastian. You have Duke, who is Channing Tatum, uh, her roommate. You have Olivia, the hot girl, and you have Malcolm, the asshole. Right. Right. And uh, in this scene, we learn that vulnerability is bad. Uh, That if you're vulnerable as a girl, it means that you are fresh meat and ready to be pounced on. And if you are vulnerable as a guy, you are lame. Which was... uh, Channing Tatum uh, admitting that he's not very good at girls. Right. So, not to spoil it for you listeners, but they're going to flip that script on its head. Hello. Uh, yeah, yeah, here's some toxic gender roles. We're going to prove this wrong in the third act. <laughs> um, I mean, it is Shakespeare, so I guess it's in the fifth act, would we mm, say? Excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, so anyway, that's, we, we... That's the most pretentious joke. So anyway, we we see that the culture of soccer includes hazing because, of course, and oh God, that's the right. new uh, teams are the new teammates are taken to some sort of oh they were taken to the bathroom they're taken to the men's bathroom and they're told to strip. So after they grab Viola from her bed while she's sleeping in her wig, they throw her in the shower, and all of the men are supposed to take off their their shirts and she's like oh shit they're gonna see my titties and so she runs to the fire alarm somehow yeah. oh, because for some reason there's strobe lights which makes everything 
different. And uh, she runs and pulls the, the fire alarm, and she's saved. Like, so this is now five times. We're not even 30 minutes into this film. Her plan has almost been completely derailed. By homoeroticism. Because like, I feel like, like that hazing was times. very homoerotic. It was like, get That's naked. F- most hazing is very homoerotic. Oh, okay. Uh, but in any event, um, I'm just going to leave an, un- I'm just going to cut in an uncomfortable silence after I say that. <laughs> uh, and, well, the interesting part then, is that like, we never address the hazing or what it meant or right. anything ever again. And I found that very strange. I think it was just an opportunity for her to be worried that she would be showing her breasts, which is a foreshadowing to the end. Yes. Um, and so, uh, so suffice it to say, you know, she's been on campus for like two days. It's going very poorly. Uh, she has almost been found out multiple times and she's not making any friends. Um, her roommate and his buddies hate her and she wants to get in good with the, uh, with these soccer friends. Right. So then we get another, is Cyrano? Cyrano's not Shakespeare. No, that's uh, Rostand. Yeah. So we get another old-timey fucking reference. <laughs> Cyrano. So the gay best friend from earlier is actually going to be uh, conducting or directing a, a, a very elaborate ruse to convince Channing Tatum and his friends that Sebastian can fuck. Yes. So he has a, a thought parade, if you will. <laughs> a, uh, he's going to have a bunch of hot women who are plants... Um, run up to Sebastian in a restaurant and be like, I'm so sorry, please take me back, or whatever. Right. You're so hot. I love you. Blah, blah, blah. And Channing Tatum and his friends can't believe it. They can't believe this little twink can do that. They're blown away. And they're like, maybe Seb has the right idea with hitting on people. Right. And so they invite him to come sit at the table and and they're like yo like you really got to help us out and then Amanda Bynes says in the most hilarious delivery she goes I'm here for you bro I got a lifetime of knowledge <laughs> <laughs> these are the kind of gems that you'll get to see if you actually watch the movie I got a lifetime of knowledge <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, in addition to um, in addition to all of that, Monique shows up in the restaurant as well. Um, so S- real Seb's actual girlfriend. Oh no! Uh, and uh, and that's a problem because Viola's like, well, she's definitely going to recognize me impersonating her boyfriend, right? Um, but she has to keep so, him back to her because they look so similar from behind. Look so similar so from the she back. She just runs away. <laughs> she runs away, and she's like. Uh, I never want to see you again. And because, you know, turning away Monique is what got an applause break from the rest of the restaurant. And basically negging this woman is what really won the soccer players over. Yeah, they loved it. <laughs> yeah. They loved it. And and she ends up leaving and crying and the whole thing. Which, like, I don't really feel bad because she's kind of a bee. No, she's a ter- terrible person. Yeah. But... Uh, uh, but... Uh, then Sebastian is in, and we finally stop seeing him suffer trying to be in with the dudes. She. Yes. Uh, I'm just going to interchange. Anyway. Maybe they do want, like, a, a singular we they. We could do a singular yeah. they. Uh, so 
from then on, their relationship with the dudes is great. And they offer Amanda Bynes how to play soccer, right? Or am I too far ahead? No, no, no. You're, I mean, basically, uh, you're, we're basically there. So what happens is uh, in class, in science class, um, Amanda Bynes and Olivia get paired together as lab partners. Right. Channing Tatum is upset because the girl he's paired with has headgear, uh, which... I, I do not like the way they treated Headgear Girl uh, Eunice, in this movie. Eunice is great. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like she was the butt of the joke, and uh, and that was very sad for me. Um, although it turns, although as we learn later, she's apparently like super kinky. Uh, so. Yeah, and the and their friend, the black guy who has no the name. the black guy, yeah, who has no uh, name. To- yeah. The black friend eventually ends up with her, but anyways. But there's a little foreshadowing in throughout where. Uh, Channing Tatum gets Eunice's name and his friend uh, seems really disappointed. And so Viola reads out her name, Olivia's name, and Olivia yeah. nods. And they're like, holy shit, you know her? She gave you the nod. And one of the guys says, she, she gives good nod. She gives good nod. Yes. <laughs> and it, it's off camera. Like, you don't see him say it. So I feel like they added that in ADR and that was really funny. <laughs> I love that joke. It was one of it was one of the misogynistic jokes that I actually really liked. <laughs> it is act, it is actually a pretty funny line, um, and I could see like writers in a punch up just like doing punch up and being like, "What about she gives good nod?" and like that just killing. Um, oh, it's fun. Uh, yeah. So so Duke is like, okay, so you're in with Olivia. This is a perfect opportunity yes. for you to help me out. And this is where we get back into Shakespeare. This is all about how Viola is going to woo Olivia on behalf of Duke Orsino, who, again, is a Duke, and Duke is not his first name, in the play. And uh, and in return... And Duke, in return, yeah, will we'll get uh, Sebastian, fake Sebastian to first string on soccer. Right. And this is where I feel like Duke Orsino shows his first inclination of being bisexual because after the montage of them playing he watches sebastian fake sebastian playing and is kind of like hmm. kind of smitten yeah, yeah it's a little bit like uh shang from mulan yes a little smitten. every single every single character in this movie is at least bisexual yes thank god <laughs> maybe this is super the- lgbt friendly uh, the other thing that happens, by the way, is Olivia uh, finds a sheet of Sebastian's lyrics, like actual lyrics from the real Sebastian that Sebastian the musician wrote, mm-hmm. and she's very moved by them. So Olivia's actually starting to fall for Sebastian. Again. Although she doesn't know that Sebastian is actually Amanda Bynes. Right. Uh, Sebastian, the brother, the actual brother, is very sensitive and uh, artistic and really wants to go for his dreams and things like that. So it's very different from the kind of guys that Olivia is around here at Illyria. So, I mean, I'm shipping it. Yeah, but absolutely. But the real Sebastian, not Amanda Bynes, because I ship her with Channing Tatum. Sure, Hard. of course. <laughs> uh, we have the montage of soccer training. I'm pretty sure Jurassic 5 was the music cue. Uh, everybody at this school also dances when they play soccer. I don't know what world this is where that normally happens. Well, if Channing Tatum is involved, there will be dancing. 
<laughs> there's a funny scene where uh, fake Sebastian gets hit in the nuts with a soccer ball and doesn't react. <laughs> and then she goes, oh no, it burns. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then uh, we cut to a scene of Malcolm, Ugh. so the asshole from earlier. So it turns out uh, that Malcolm has been stalking Olivia. Uh, he has a pillow with her face screen printed on it. Gross. Uh, he's talking to his pet tarantula named Malvolio after the character in the play. Gross. On his wall, he just has a ton of photos of Olivia, which I assume he has plastered to the wall using his own jizz. <laughs> so <laughs> gross. Uh, but he, he talking to his spider is saying, I think that Sebastian is hiding something. And I'm going to find out what it is. Right, because Sebastian is his really only threat at this point. Because right. he thinks that he has a chance with Olivia, despite the fact that she rolls his eyes every time he speaks to her. Yeah, what is the what is Malcolm's plan for bringing Olivia back to his room when that ever happens? Because, like, when she comes in and she sees the pillow, like, I get, you can take down the photos. Right. But how do you explain the body pillow shaped like her? <laughs> right. I don't know. I don't the the I feel like the Malvolio character it's is Malcolm obviously, but the Malvolio yeah. character is so much more cunning and conniving in the play that uh I feel like they did that character kind of a disservice. Are you saying this adaptation is not 100% faithful? It's not 100% faithful. <laughs> it's frustrating. Oh, my God. Um, well, why are we even doing this? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I, I find a lot of things wrong with the character of Malcolm. One is it's accurate in the sense that, like, it's a dude who won't take no for an answer. Um, but I've, I, I feel like they could have played it up a little bit more so that the stakes were higher for him. Instead of it just being that he's creepy and really wants Olivia. But... I think that's fair. But, you know, whatever. There's not enough time in this movie when we're trying to get as much slapstick comedy out of the brilliant Amanda Bynes. Um, Uh, But anyway. So so eventually we learn that Channing Tatum is not good with girls. And uh, Sebastian, fake Sebastian, says, Why? You're hot. I mean, (laughs) you're an appealing guy and you're whatever... And so she's yeah. so she's like, I'll help you. Like, all you got to do is talk about th- things that you have in common. And then my favorite lines of dialogue are, <laughs> ask her if she likes cheese. Not a lot of people know that's how I met my wife. <laughs> oh, it's so good. So, so, so they, they bond over how they both like Gouda. Yeah, it's a very cute scene where she's like, here, I'll talk like a girl. And then she drops her guy voice and just talks in Amanda Bynes' voice. Yeah, and, he, and he's like, ah, that's so scary. And and that's yeah. when, you know, you get a little bit of like, it could be a moment of homophobia and they don't take it. Yeah. Um, but then, um, right before the sparks start flying, uh, <laughs> the like the uh, Malvolio the spider like escapes his terrarium and he shows up on the floor and they both freak out and jump into each other's arms right <laughs> and that starts to make Duke really uncomfortable right because they touched faces yes and they're like ah! and this is where Duke I feel like starts to realize that he's bi <laughs> but he doesn't know that he's bi 
We know that he's why, but he doesn't know. Right. This is a dramatic irony yeah. thing. This is something where the audience knows that the characters don't. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a sexy Mrs. Doubtfire. Well, let's let's talk about sexy Mrs. Doubtfire because <laughs> that's our next scene. Is there is a fundraiser for the debutante ball? <laughs> it's at a carnival, and in true Mrs. Doubtfire fashion. Um, every character in the film is at this carnival. So Viola actually has to switch back and forth between characters throughout the day. Right. At one point, though, she changes back into Sebastian just to change back into Viola. Like, nothing... I didn't get that at all. Nothing happened for her to be Sebastian. She changed into Sebastian to walk, like, 30 feet one way and then change into Viola. <laughs> yeah, and and but the 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 big part of the the carnival is that Olivia is working the kissing booth because of course there's Hell a kissing yeah. booth and I've never in my life have ever seen a kissing booth at any carnival but they always show up in movies. I only seen them in movies. Yeah, so so she's there and Channing Tatum's in line and he's about to go up but Viola as Viola dressed in a dress with long hair is is there to relieve Olivia. And, yeah, she has the next shift. Right, yeah. and so her... But before that, Olivia is basically assaulted by a nerd who won't stop putting his mouth on her mouth. It's not an open mouth kiss, but it's like a very long closed mouth And kiss. she's very clearly really uncomfortable, and watching it now, I was just like, oh, I don't like this. I wish they had cut this scene, because I don't like seeing other women be very uncomfortable by right by a man so that was one of my first moments where i thought oh this movie is a little problematic yeah so amanda Bynes tags in right before channing tatum goes up and at first he's disappointed because he wanted to kiss olivia right but uh but then he's like ah but uh amanda Bynes, i haven't met you but you seem like someone i could kiss yeah and then they do and then it's great and she's like no more and so yeah yeah she He's like, I guess that's our time. And she's like, no, 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 you get some more. Yeah, and everyone's getting pissed because they all want to kiss her too. And then... There's a there's a 12-year-old in a FUBU that's just throwing a lot of, <laughs> lot of shit. Just in terms of, you don't have to flirt with her first, okay? You're paying for it. Yeah, and he's like ready to go. But then, holy shit, her ex-boyfriend from her Cornwall soccer team is pissed. Yeah, just shows up, purple polo. Popped collar, not really sure why she was with him to begin with, if that's what he wears. <laughs> fist fight breaks out. Huge fist fight. They they knock over a popcorn uh, kiosk. Yeah, a popcorn machine. Just knock it over and breaks it. She's like pulling broken glass out from her cleavage. Right. No blood, though. It's PG-13. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they're, they're fighting over Viola, which is interesting because we all thought that he was into Olivia. What's going on? Hmm. 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 Uh, hilarious callback after this scene where uh, Viola, now dressed as fake Sebastian, goes back to her dorm room and Channing Tatum is there with a tampon in his nose <laughs> to stanch the bleeding. Yeah, he's like, sorry, uh, I, I borrowed one of your tampons. <laughs> borrowed. Um, and, and, then I think Amanda Bynes says one of my favorite lines, which is, be a man, rub some dirt in it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. About the wound um, that he got. She starts talking with Duke about how he's into both girls and is really... Both Olivia and Viola. Yeah, yes. and he's really excited. And in, in I guess in Duke Orsino's 
point of view, he's excited that uh, he wants Duke to date his sister, but then says, who, do you, who would you rather see naked? <laughs> Which, yeah, exactly. So, so Viola, Viola clearly sees an opportunity to steer Channing Tatum towards being into Viola rather than being into Olivia. Right. Um, she's she's working out of self interest for for sure. But like, I mean, I would she, too so if it she's was Channing like, Tatum. Yeah. So she's like, "Hey, maybe you and Viola would be magic." What does your heart tell you? And then, and then she's like, "Wait, I gotta, I gotta be a guy for this." And she's like, "I mean, which one would you rather see naked?" Yeah. And then this is where again, gender norm is broken. Because just blown up. Channing apart. Tatum is like, "Why do you always do that? Why do you always talk about girls in such graphic terms? You have issues." Which, which is amazing for a guy in high school, but inconsistent with a some forty-one fan. <laughs> Uh, which, which his posters have already established that he is. Yeah, and, and, and Amanda Bynes is like, wow, you're a really sensitive guy, aren't you? And he's like, no, I just think relationships should be more than just the physical stuff. Hmm. I want to be able to talk about other stuff, the serious stuff, the stuff I can't talk about with anyone else. And I wrote in my notes, I want Channing Tatum to kick my ass. <laughs> Yeah, because he was like, don't tell anyone or I'll kick yeah, your ass. Yeah, and I was like, like, I want him to kick my I ass. I want you to kick my uh, ass. It's interesting. I think this scene is very heartfelt in a way I didn't expect. Um, I also thought it was really funny that he put Sebastian in his place for being misogynist. I think that was very sweet. And it makes me it love is, Duke, Cino, Duke Orsino. It is a pretty good scene in terms of character development. Yeah. I think, um, I think they do a good job with it. It's followed immediately by the ninth music cue of the film. You already motherfucking know it's OAR uh, <laughs> singing Love and Memories. Uh, it's another training montage, and you can see that Channing Tatum is starting to feel very weird feelings about Sebastian. Not weird feelings, but weird to him. Right. About Sebastian. Eerie. <laughs> yeah. No. So there's uh, so there's this gym. The, the next scene is in a gym. Um, Channing Tatum is benching. Uh, and then Viola, as Sebastian, is supposed to be benching, but is just staring googly-eyed at Channing. Uh, and and she learns that she's made first string uh, at soccer. And there's this hilarious physical comedy moment where she goes in to, like, bro-hug Duke, and then it turns into this very emotional um, <laughs> hug. Uh, but meanwhile... Um, Olivia is watching them from a distance. She is super into fake Sebastian, who she does not know is a woman. And she figures, okay, I will start hitting on Duke to make Sebastian jealous. Now, this is going to throw a fucking wrench in everything, right? (laughs) Um, So, meanwhile, uh, fake Sebastian is, like, pushing Duke. She's like, you should call Viola, ask her out, uh, take her to dinner tonight. And then Olivia just sluts her way over to uh to duke and fake sebastian and is like hey duke how much can you bench can you bench me yeah oh god that's right the uh, how much can you bench she's like 225 she's like that's more than twice what i weigh uh which fuck her first of all uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was just like nah <laughs> um there is one hyster like hysterical line where She's doing this while, like, Viola is trying to call Duke and get him to ask her out. Uh, And Duke, like, blows her off by saying, hey, uh, Viola, I gotta go change my feet. (laughs) 
Yeah, and he also like hits his head on the gym equipment because he's just so head over heels of Olivia, and now she's finally yeah. giving them giving him the time of day. I it's not it's completely unbelievable that Channing Tatum is bad at girls at this level, but I thought it was yeah. cute that they tried, and he did really well. <laughs> it, he his performance in this movie is great. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take take away from yeah. That. It's like, really it's, it's really good. So so uh, Olivia asks Channing Tatum to dinner, even though Channing Tatum was gonna ask Viola to dinner. Right. Uh, so. Then, uh, I think, what happens? How does he end up with Eunice? I forget. Well, Viola, Viola's like, well, shit, I have to be there to make sure everything's okay. Um, so Viola, as fake Sebastian, asks Eunice out. Eunice is the headgear girl who is like the butt of every joke in this movie. Um, and Eunice is just crazy horned for Sebastian. Mm -hmm. Um, just, they go to... Uh, the same restaurant, they're like, can we join you? So now they're double dating. Black friend, who still does not have a name at this point in this movie, is like, hey, how come when I wanted to ask out Eunice, you all made fun of me? And then um, he said, so, screw you guys, I hate high school. And it's one of the best lines in the movie. <laughs> so funny. Uh, the delivery is just the, so good. Screw you guys, I hate high school. <laughs> at, at the double date, um... At the double date, it's super awkward. Duke and Olivia clearly have nothing to talk about. Yeah. Um, he tries the do you like cheese line. It falls flat on its face. Um, and Eunice, like, tries to jerk off Sebastian under the table, I think, yeah, at one point. this is so gross and graphic of a scene. But best thing is, like, okay, so Eunice tries to jerk off fake Sebastian. Fake Sebastian's like, okay, time for me to leave. Runs away. Eunice runs off after him, uh, and Channing Tatum literally looks up and says, check, please, as the blackout line, <laughs> like we're in a 1986. Yeah. So good. And, and here's the thing. At this point, it feels like nothing is progressing for Viola's actual objective, objective which is to get on the soccer team. These are all just kind of like subplots that keep getting annoying, and- then we get back to the main story, which is we forget that in order for uh, Amanda Bynes to leave her mom's house to, quote-unquote, go to her dad's house, she tells her that she does want to be a debutante and that she's going to be using Sebastian's girlfriend as kind of a mentor to her to help her get prepared. And so her mom is like, hey, there's the uh, luncheon that's happening and I hope that you've been studying with Sebastian's girlfriend. Yes, like the warm-up lunch for the debutante. Ball. Exactly. And so we're at the debutante's ball at this point, and it's all very prim and proper. Olivia is also there, we learn. She's a debutante. And Amanda Bynes shows up in a denim jacket over her dress and can't get a hold of her purse. And <laughs> So she's definitely... I've it, just big awkward physical moments um, that she exaggerates for the comedy. It, 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 she, I feel like she's going for like maybe a like a singled out Jenny McCarthy type yeah. thing, <laughs> where she's like, "I'm hot, but I also can be like a guy." Yeah, I hate that trope, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there are moments where you know we see that she's like a guy, like she can't eat like a lady. She, the chew like you have a secret thing made me. Chew, yeah, she's like you have a secret. She has a big 
big chunk of food in her mouth and she's just like it's really gross uh off of a drumstick of chicken uh and then the whole time she's just angrily looking at olivia because olivia is getting in her way of going out but olivia doesn't know that exactly and this is another trope that i hate where girls hate other girls because of a man right hate it right we should all just Um, hate men yes uh well (laughs) (laughs) i liked your like yes wait (laughs) uh so uh viola and olivia uh confront each other in the in the bathroom of course um and uh and olivia reveals that she's just using duke to get to fake sebastian uh which starts to freak viola out because she says to olivia but really to herself you are weaving a really tangled web here and you've got to stop And Olivia's like, I know you're right. I need to just come clean. And so we've established that she's going to be coming clean. Everything's going to be fine. But. Except. Except. (laughs) Fucking Monique comes in. Yeah, Monique overheard the entire conversation from a stall. Uh, The whole thing is falling apart. And we're back to my favorite movie trope uh, coming from Bringing Down the House, which is the excessively violent fight in a public restroom yeah you know it's funny i feel like all of these bathrooms are way nicer than women's rooms actually are uh <laughs> the, the, there is no urine on the floor from women who are hovering over the toilet seat you know it's like a, it's a really clean bathroom where they're all over the floor in their nice dresses and their hair is touching the toilet it's just like <laughs> For a germaphobe, that was a really hard scene to watch. Uh, and they just, they fight, and the other debutantes are listening from the other room, and they run in, and they're like, oh no, Viola, Viola why is it always you in the middle of a fight? Mm. And she's just like, hmm, there's nothing I can do about this. <laughs> there's no, like, big button for that joke. It's just no. we were supposed to be laughing at the fight. Um... And you think things are falling apart now uh, because people are starting to ask questions and get confused. The other thing is Sebastian, the real Sebastian, is coming back in town a day early. Oh, no. And he calls Monique and says, hey, I don't know if Viola told you, but I've been in London. Which is like, dude, you're telling your girl, your sister to tell your girlfriend that you're in London? I don't remember him telling her to do that. So Monique gets that voicemail, and she's like, wait, but if Seb's in London, then that means, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Seb shows up to the boarding school late at night. Olivia decides to come clean, runs up, kisses him without looking at his face, I guess. <laughs> they're twins, Tony. Um, just they're twins. A... They're fraternal <laughs> twins. <laughs> yeah, she sees him from behind, just... grabs him. Even though they're vastly different heights, <laughs> by the way, and she she whispers his lyrics to him in his ear, right? And he's like, hmm, "I think I'm gonna like it here at Illyria." <laughs> uh, and then, uh, but Duke sees he, it too. He's pissed. Also, we established that Duke rides a motorcycle at this point because he couldn't get oh, more sure. hot. So he's <laughs> he gets really mad and slams his motorcycle helmet into a pillar and he's like, Rah! and Sebastian, 
which is Viola dressed as Sebastian, fake Sebastian. So fake Sebastian. Comes back yeah. in to their dorm room and Duke right. is Right, and Duke pissed. is like, fuck you. I saw you kiss Olivia. Um, Viola almost, like, comes clean at this point. Uh, and then just doesn't for some reason. Well, I mean, she thought that he was saying that she was lying about being a woman. But oh, he that's was right. really that's talking right. about that Sebastian kissed Olivia. But he doesn't know that both of them are on campus right now. This is right. this is not this is a pickle. Insanely tangled web. Yes. Uh and speaking of tangled web, Malcolm, uh, who has a spider, that's my segue. Spider. Uh, <laughs> appears to have put it all together. Mm-hmm. Teams up with Monique, who has also figured it out. Uh, and loops in David Cross. Right. And David Cross, uh, uh, doesn't really believe it, right? Uh, at first he does not, but, um, we'll find out, uh, the next day that, that he actually buys into it, because the next day is kind of our climactic scene, which is the big, uh, rivalry soccer game between Illyrium, uh, and Cornwall. Yes, and this is our our favorite All American Rejects music cue of "Dirty Little Secret." Dirty Little Secret, yes. And the best part is, real Sebastian showed up and went to sleep in his dorm room, and then they woke him up, and they're like, "Come on, man, you gotta play soccer." So now he's just like on the field of this varsity <laughs> soccer game. Which, by the way, this is my high school football stadium was not this nice. No. Uh, or this big. No, this looked like the LA Galaxy. Yeah. What is it? Just, amphitheater? <laughs> I don't know anything uh, about sports. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you, you rattled off all those terms earlier. What the hell? I know. It was uh, only three. I think it was stretch, scrimmage, and shirts and skits. Does stretch count? It does for all uh, athletes. You okay. must stretch. <laughs> so it's the climactic scene. Um, Real Sebastian is on the team and he does not know how to play soccer. No, he's terrible. And you know what's funny is that you would think that they would realize that his face doesn't look at all like the face that they've been looking at all week, but lo and behold, the cheerleaders have decorated their faces with face paint. And so they yeah, can't every, tell. Every soccer player like basically has the Maryland state flag painted <laughs> on their faces. Yes. Yeah, got like stripes and a crest and and weird shit. Right. And but um, the, the thing is is that Sebastian, real Sebastian is a terrible soccer player. He's a musician. He's not a he's not an athlete. He, yeah, you can't be both. No, he has the- to leave that to his sister. So he's he's terrible at the game and eventually Viola wakes up because she had spent the night at Eunice's place and Eunice had just watched seemingly him sleep just masturbating constantly yeah and she like made him uh, a really gross cupcake it was like i made breakfast sweetie and, and viola just hauls ass goes to the locker room realizes that her uniform is gone she's like what fresh hell is this and doesn't realize that her brother is back until she's hiding in some sort of shed through the <laughs> through the wood, she can see that he's there, and she's like, "Oh my god, what am I going to do? This is so oh, no. terrible. I have to come clean." And at that moment, David Cross comes out with a megaphone and is like, "All right, everybody, hold on a minute, hold on a minute, hold on a minute." It seems that Sebastian Hastings is a girl. Is a girl. And everyone just is like, "Ha ha 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 ha." He's and Sebastian's like, "Don't worry, guys, I can clear this up." And takes out his dick. Yeah, he pulls down his pants. Uh, 
his parents are in the audience and his dad says, that's my boy. <laughs> he doesn't say it all Italian. Like that, <laughs> yeah. but... It was smarmy. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so he's a girl. He's like, he's a girl. He's a big girl. He's specifically his own sister, Viola. And everyone's right. like, what are you talking about, David Cross? David Cross is so embarrassed and is really upset that Malcolm has duped him in this way. Well, and should be upset because he might be put on the sex offender right <laughs> <laughs> like... Yeah, well, let's all not forget that they, the actors are clearly in their 20s, but they are all underage and just exposing themselves to large groups of people as this is <laughs> happening. Uh, and right. then Channing Tatum does a backflip and we all are okay insane windmill kick <laughs> to score a goal so at at halftime viola like grabs real sebastian and is like look it's me okay i've been impersonating you i need your jersey so i can fucking play uh in the game so it takes the jersey um gets back onto the team dressed as fake sebastian channing tatum still thinking this is the same person uh refuses to pass to fake sebastian out of spite. Ugh, come on. Uh, and it ends up costing them a goal. Oh my gosh, it's so stressful. And and so fake Sebastian comes up and is like, look, I know that you're mad at me and I know that we, I have a lot to explain, but you have to treat me like a teammate and like an equal, which I thought was yes. a really beautiful moment. And everyone's just like, get it together, get it together. And he's like, fine. Well, a uh, uh, fist fight breaks out because Justin, the ex-boyfriend uh, with the purple polo, is uh, being an asshole to Channing Tatum. Uh, so this is our third fist fight of the film. Mm -hmm. uh, the coach breaks it up by literally punching several students. <laughs> uh, Nobody got kicked out of the game, by the way. I think if you get in yeah. some sort of fight, you have a red card and you're not allowed to come back. There's another sports reference I know. That's good. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Thank you. Uh, so Viola, you know, after the fight breaks up, Viola finally comes clean. She says she's in love with Duke. She's actually been impersonating her brother. She takes her wig off. And since that is apparently not enough to convince anyone, uh, she uh, flashes them. All. Yes. And everyone's like, woo. Uh, and then, but the cool part is the coach from Cornwall goes to the coach to Illyria and is the, like... And, and the coach from Cornwall is the one who in the opening scene of the film is like, girls aren't better than boys, that's science. Right, right, right. So he goes up to the, the up to them and he's like, well, she can't play because she's a girl. And the T, the, the coach from Illyria grabs the, the manual that he gives him, says that it's not in the manual, and he rips it with his hands because he's a sexy, strong man and is like, we at Illyria don't discriminate based on Gender. Yeah, he says it. He says it in like a like a weird Australian accent. Yeah, and uh, and Channing Tatum also gives an inspirational speech to the team, where he says, "Be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great. Some achieve greatness. Some have greatness thrust upon them." Which I have to assume is from Twelfth Night. Yes, it's from Act Two, Scene Five. Okay. <laughs> And, you know, I'm just going to say, folks, in this film, it's easy to determine which parts came from Shakespeare <laughs> and, and which parts uh, were the adaptation. The, the funny thing is, is that that speech was actually read by Malvolio from, oh, really? yes, from a letter that there was a whole subplot where they, uh, a bunch of side characters trick Malvolio because he's so annoying into thinking that Olivia has feelings for him and he reads a letter and this is what was on them. 
It is, uh, if this fall into thy hand, revolve. In my stars I am above thee, but be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. And he's like, she's fucking into me. <laughs> but in the, but in this one, it's it's a you know it's obviously a pep talk before a soccer game because it's the same thing. Right. It's the same thing. And uh, Viola gets fouled, going for a goal. Whole thing comes down to a penalty kick. Justin, the ex-boyfriend, is the goalie. She internalizes all of her rage at gender inequality. <laughs> uh, kicks a penalty shot. Penalty shot's blocked. Channing Tatum headers it back to her. She windmill kicks it in. Which they had the gone goal through is... together. He taught her how yeah. to do that. The goal is so fucking good that her parents decide to get undivorced. <laughs> I'm not joking. They're so happy. Her parents are like, uh, can I get your number? Uh, like, that's literally what happens. Yeah. Um, Sebastian finally comes clean to... Real Sebastian comes clean to his parents about how he wants to be a musician. Viola introduces him to Olivia. Black friend finally gets with Eunice. The black friend's name is revealed to be Toby. Um, <laughs> and Eunice says, I know tricks. Uh, referring to, I think, sex stuff. She's kinky. Yeah. Um, which, hey, this is a sex-positive totally. podcast. Good for Eunice. Good for Eunice. Um, Duke is still clearly pissed uh, at Viola for deceiving him, so he goes back to his dorm room and sits under the poster for some 41's <laughs> new album, Chuck, featuring the hit single, Pieces. <laughs> and so Viola has to kind of go back to her regular life, uh, and which includes the debutante's ball. And so yes. she, she and Olivia end up becoming friends after all of the, the rivalry that they had. Uh, the gay friend and her friends are also there at the debutante's ball getting her ready. Uh, she is like, I don't really want to be in this. I don't really have a date. And her mom says, well, you don't need a man to wear a beautiful dress, which means that her mom grew up. Oh, oh that's there's good. There's growth there. So uh, she sends Duke a box of Gouda cheese, a wheel of Gouda, as some as a as a kind of apology with a note that says that she really hopes that he could come with her is the invitation to the thing and we don't really know if he's gonna come he's really upset and so uh she's getting ready for the deb ball her her gay stylist friend is going to be her escort um th again this is the equivalent of the wedding at the end of a shakespeare comedy so you just have every character um show up and and be like yay um, Justin and Monique end up together, I guess. Um, Sebastian and Olivia end up together. And then Viola steps out to get some air. And who shows up but Channing Tatum in a suit. They fall in love. You know, they give the big speeches. Duke says, from now on, everything would be a lot easier if you stayed a girl. <laughs> That's great. And they go up on stage and make out in front of everyone. It's so uncomfortable. I, that feels very ill-advised. Yeah. Um, her parents are there. Yeah. Well, the, all the other girls are wearing white, but she comes out in green just to show that, again, she's very unlike most She's girls. her own she's person. She's her own person. Then we find out, we look down at the crowd, and her gay stylist friend is flirting with the other friend of Duke Orsino. Not the black guy named Toby, but the other guy. Oh, hmm. I didn't see. I missed that. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he's definitely gay. <laughs> <laughs> um. We have uh, Move Along by the American Reje All-American Rejects starts. 
Uh, this is the 17th music cue in the film. <laughs> the film is 100 minutes long, which means there is a new song starting every 5.8 minutes. Wow. Thank you for keeping track for us, dude. I mean, I gotta say, this movie is more dumb than problematic. Yes, absolutely. I feel like... You know, we, we go through those questions of, you know, what, what could have pro- we probably have known better? And I feel like as a society, we probably could have done better and probably should have known better that this movie was ahead of its time. I think we're, we're yeah. the problematic ones. We're, it's, it's, well, not you, Nadia, I'm the <laughs> And most people, most people who are like anti-Amanda Bynes, I feel like. I, and I am not anti-Amanda Bynes. I think she, uh, here's what I'm going to say. We all want Drake to murder her. <laughs> not I. I. I'm the only person who's not into Drake. I just keep seeing him as Jimmy from Degrassi, and I just can't take him well, seriously. Ba- no, ba- I mean, back when, because she tweeted that in, like, 2013 yeah, or something. Yeah. Like, that was when people wanted Drake to murder her. <laughs> Now like, they're just like, wow, God yeah. grant me the confidence of a man who releases a 25-track album. Yeah, now she's like, now everybody's like, sorry, I don't have three hours to listen to your new album. I came in with very low expectations for this film. I was, I still think the film is pretty dumb. Yeah. But I was very pleasantly surprised at uh, the job they did. I think for a high school Shakespeare adaptation, it does a perfectly fine job. Yeah. I have to admit that I'm, I actually like this one better than 10 Things I Hate About You. I don't like that movie as much. Okay, N- that is some bullshit. <laughs> I just, I, uh, I can't get into Julia Stiles. I think I have to watch it as an adult. As a teenager, I just didn't fucking get it. Julia Stiles is great. Um, but uh, Amanda Bynes, um, I would say, you know, she was in Hairspray. She was really good in Hairspray, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and she was in, she, uh, my favorite role she had was Easy A, actually. Oh, she was so good as the villain. She, yeah, the, the conservative Christian um, bad guy. Yeah, yeah, she was awesome. She was also great in What a Girl Wants with Colin Firth and Sydney White, which also starred my very good friend Arnie Pantoja. Okay. Uh, it, uh, she, she had a lot of great teen movies before she, you know, had her problems, which we don't need to go into because she's been through enough. We don't enough. need to go into. She's been through enough. We we hope we hope you're doing better, Amanda. Yeah, I miss you. I want to I want to talk about uh reviews. Oh, yay. But um but not uh not reviews that came out when the movie came out. I want to talk about what people are writing about this film now. Oh. Uh because people are writing about this film now. Okay. Um so Uh, There was an article that ran literally two weeks ago at the time of this recording um, in Broadly, which is uh, part of Vice, uh, titled, She's the Man is the Most Important Soccer Movie of All Time. Ooh. Uh, So I'm going to, yeah. So I'm going to read a bunch of this here. Uh, This is Noah, uh, N-O-A, Azulai, A-Z-U-L-A-I, so I apologize if I'm uh, butchering that pronunciation. Uh, But she says, quote, I didn't see my experience reflected in any sports or coming-of-age films at the time. So when I watched the 2006 cult classic She's the Man for the first time after a weekend game, I felt like it was made for me. I saw the story's moral rather simply as a pre-adolescent. A young woman can play as hard, if not harder, than any man. Hell yeah! Viola's spirit, grit, and blatant lack of ladylike manners felt like a reflection of my younger self. Clad in brown Nike 6.0s, 
knee-length shorts, and equipped with a pretty solid slide tackle. In honor of the World Cup 2018, I decided to return to the movie. Uh, I admit, I was afraid. Rewatching beloved childhood movies often results in rage slamming my computer shut by minute 35. <laughs> but I was pleased to find that She's the Man, for the most part, remained the story that I adored. One about the determination of a young girl facing delusional and vicious expectations from the people and institutions closest to her. Furthermore, the movie explores the ways that young men understand, challenge, and perpetuate toxic masculinity while also depicting the vulnerability and intimacy of male relationships. She's the Man is simply a hilarious reflection of how we interpret, perform, reinforce, and break gender roles. Talks a little bit more about, like, the details of the plot from here. Uh, And then it goes on a little bit later to say, uh, for all the gifts it gives, She's the Man is definitely not a perfect film. It intentionally exaggerates prescribed gender roles in order to bring them to attention, so it doesn't really manage to escape all of the tropes it's trying to defy. Mm -hmm. Uh, The principal's public outing of Sebastian as Viola on the soccer field, for instance, is far too reminiscent of transphobic violence that often plagues our schools, teams, and communities. Uh, the coach takes a manual, rips it in half, and says, What manual? We do not discriminate based on gender here. And I'm suddenly 10 years old again, hearing those words and believing them with renewed intensity. Uh, it teaches us that gender cannot delineate a soccer field, a relationship, a, feel, a feeling, or a talent. It reminds us that language affects power and that it's easy to tell your guy friend to cut the ass talk because it is simple and crucial to respect women. This absurd, cheesy, hilarious, feminist pro-LGBTQ rom-com taught me that what I love and who I love is not defined by gender, and although my soccer career didn't take me to the pros, this movie made me believe that it could. Oh, I teared up! That was really well written! Uh, and then I have one more. Ugh, my eyes are full of tears. That was really good. So this is from, uh, 2016, which was the 10th anniversary of the film. Uh, Shannon Carlin wrote for Refinery29 an article titled How She's the Man Redefined Gender. Um, So let's see. Uh, As Sebastian, when Viola asks Duke whether he'd rather be with Viola or Olivia, she starts with, what does your heart tell you? Only to course correct with, which one would you rather see naked? (laughs) Why do you you always do that, Duke says. Why do you always talk about girls in such graphic terms? Now, this is (laughs) pre-Drake. So a guy spilling all his emotions in 2006 is a sign of someone who's enlightened, evolved, and in this case, seems to understand something about men and relationships that a girl dressed as a guy couldn't quite grasp yet. It's Viola, not Sebastian, who ends up teaching her teammates about what it means to be a man, which really means being unafraid to go go against what is expected of you. Mm. It's an idea that we've become more accustomed to now when gender isn't considered so binary, but rather much more fluid. Female and male aren't accurate terms to categorize all people, since so many individuals don't feel like they fit into those two categories. This is a pro-gay movie. I'm sorry, She's the Man is a feminist movie, but the word feminist is never uttered. It's a pro-gay movie that doesn't shudder at the idea that two men can have a close relationship, but does not address homosexuality outright. The movie seems to speak out against heteronormativity, but a decade ago, this wasn't a word thrown into general conversation. We need to ditch the stereotypes since there should be no limitations to how either gender acts or behaves. Good for She's the Man for engaging in this conversation a decade ago. Yeah, we have to move beyond labels and expand our understanding of what it means to be male, female, 
or just plain human. Oh, these are really good. They are. I do think it's reading a little more into the intent of the director than perhaps was there. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the whole point of this podcast, though, right? It's like we're looking at things that are old and under this new umbrella of information that we have. You and I both have done a lot of growing in general as people and as human beings in our society (laughs) and learning because we spend a lot of time on the internet we learn a lot about different kinds of people and know that there aren't a lot of inclusive spaces for a lot of different kinds of people so when you're looking at something like this from 2006 and it holds up with the kind of perspective that we have now and we find a lot of things that work for it I think that's more satisfying than finding what's wrong with it if that makes sense. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think the fact that you can watch it now, and like I said, this is it's kind of dumb. It was the director's first feature. Um, he went on to make Paul Blart Mall Cop <laughs> 2. Um, that's the one where he goes to Vegas. Nice, uh, nice. So, uh, you know, it's, it's dumb and goofy, but honestly, um, it has a perfectly fine message. It is a perfectly acceptable adaptation of Twelfth Night by the standards of teen movies. Um, And, you know, like you said, if you look at it today, um, there is still relevance. And that is not true of most of the other things we have watched. Yeah. Yeah. And also, the performances are really fun. They're not all super rooted in reality, but that's kind of not the point. (laughs) Uh, Amanda Bynes, I feel like, is very... was very talented in that time who knows she's into fashion now i don't know what her talents are now um but it's as a a teenage girl i went to an all-girls school i was very you know pro legally blonde when people would make fun of legally blonde i'm like you don't i even to this day i will go on a rant i have been told by many improv teachers that i didn't need to go on about how for how long i did about how legally blonde is a feminist movie during scenes but i did it And I feel like this movie could be held at that level of, hey, like, this is a lot more of a progressive movie than you gave it credit for, so stop talking shit and actually watch it. So that's why I say that we're the ones that probably should have known better. Well, I'm the one. Oh, yeah, yeah, just you Uh. specifically. Um, I would, for the for the record, I was pro legally blonde when it came out as well. Oh, good! I, I I have seen that movie so many times; it's one of my faves of all time. Um, I wanted to also read one review from CommonSenseMedia.org. Um, I oh, I really liked the synopsis that they gave the movie. In the the synopsis, it was sweet. At the end, it says here uh, the humor is frequently derived from sex. Uh, when dressed as her brother and showing up at her dorm for the first time. Her slash his roommates find her tampons, and she claims it's for bloody noses. Later, a character stops up a bloody nose with one of her tampons. Characters are forced to prove that they are who they say they are by exposing their naked body parts, not shown. And when Viola's actual brother drops his pants, their father conveys pride in the size of his penis. (laughs) Expect three teen girls fighting in a restroom and male characters getting into fisticuffs both on and off the soccer field. Also expect some profanity like hell and ass, as well as allusions to sexuality. For instance, she gives good nod. Never in this review either did they talk about any homophobia, is they talk about any transphobia or anything like that because there really wasn't any of it. Uh, like the transphobic like 
David Cross announcing that he's a girl kind of thing is probably the only thing which we could I could edit this if I could on Common Sense Media. Right. But like Common Sense Media usually calls out the bullshit and they didn't. Interesting. Because I feel like there is no bullshit. It's very it's right. a very straightforward silly comedy that is also kind of nice. Yeah. And I'm all about that. I I I'm not going to say I like this movie. <laughs> but but this is definitely, honestly, out of every, we've watched seven things so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, this might be the one that holds up the best. I agree. And uh, according to user Sweetie94152, uh, if you think tampons are inappropriate, then you are immature. <laughs> With these teen movies, there's a lot of opportunities for guys to call girls' bodies gross, but to sexualize yes. them, and they didn't take that opportunity in this movie. Like there were a lot of a lot of opportunities for uh, high school tropes to be played, and they weren't. And I respect that, and I think that's why the movie holds up. Yes, and the like the only like. Se- the only like kind of sexualizing reference is she gives good nod, but that's so funny that <laughs> that's such a good that line. They get a probably should have known better pass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was good. I, I, what do you think? Uh, what do you think overall of this 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 choice we made? Okay, so are, are we using the scale we came yeah, up? Yeah, let's use the scale. Okay, so so zero is bringing down the house. Five is like an in and out right. thing. Um, I might like this might have to get at least a four. I think we could even switch out in and out for she's the man. This might be this might be better than in. Yeah, I think we gotta. I can't. I can't believe I'm fucking saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Vindicated. I am vindicated. Let's do a callback to emo. I was about to say, isn't that isn't that a song from the soundtrack? It's from Dashboard Confessional. No, uh, Invincible was the song from the soundtrack. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I think this movie is really fun. It's silly. I, it's one of my nostalgic favorites as a child. So um, if anybody wants to borrow the DVD, they absolutely can. But I don't want it to be another Bubble Boy situation because I let someone borrow Bubble Boy and I never got it back. Oh, no. <laughs> I think it was you, Hillary. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, I think it's, it's definitely worth watching it. You could watch it for fun or you could watch it for criticism, but I think you'll be happy either way. Yeah. So I would, I would kind of like to just briefly tease our next episode oh, if we can. Yeah, absolutely. Cause here's the thing, folks. Um, we're doing a two part series on gender bending films. <laughs> Uh, so She's the Man uh, was our first installment, but if you join us uh, at our next episode in two weeks, uh, we will be watching 1982's Tootsie uh, with Dustin Hoffman and uh, Jessica Lange. Oh, yeah. Uh, our first Best Picture nominee also has to do with switching genders and uh, has some questionable things wow. in it. Wait, are you saying She's the Man wasn't a Best Picture nominee? It was not, as it turns <laughs> out. Um, I had to check. Uh, (laughs) I think think it got nominated for a Kids Choice Award. It's so good. (laughs) I love this movie, goddammit. I'm a big Amanda Bynes fan. I think I'm just going to start a separate podcast about Amanda Bynes. (laughs) Okay, but I'm going to have the Magic the Gathering. (laughs) Okay! 
Uh, <laughs> That's excellent. Uh, well, thanks so much for listening, everyone. Uh, probably should have on Twitter. Uh, also Facebook. Also uh, Instagram, right? We have an we Instagram now? We have an Instagram now. now. It's also at probably should have, P-R-O-L-L-Y-S-H-O-U-L-D-A. Uh, we also want to thank Adam Koopman for our really cool theme song and Tommy McPhail yes. for our awesome logo. And uh, thanks for listening. And I really appreciate everybody who's been commenting and sending messages. And we're totally taking suggestions from you of movies that you loved as a kid or as a teenager and uh, putting it on our list to decide what our next episodes are. So keep those coming. 